Grace and peace be yours from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Our text for today from the Gospel reading these particular words of Christ. In that day, you will ask of the Father in my name. And I do not say that I will ask the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you. Our text. Friends in Christ Jesus, he was not a nobleman by birth. In fact, Thomas Cromwell, not to be confused with Oliver Cromwell, but Thomas Cromwell didn't receive the kind of academic training that many of his aristocratic contemporaries would have. But by being in the right place at the right time and by a combination of ambition and calculation and hard work, Thomas Cromwell in time would, for a commoner, gain near unprecedented access not only to the court of the king, but to the very man himself, infamous King Henry VIII. You see, in 1531, Cromwell was made a royal counselor for parliamentary business and thereby became a member of the king's trusted inner circle. He would then gain access to the king's fortune when named Chancellor of the Exchequer. He was endowed by the king with judicial sway when he was named after that master of the rolls, appointed then the king's secretary, Cromwell. His business became the king's letters, very own letters of correspondence. Perhaps more influential than any of these, though Cromwell, in being appointed deputy in spiritual affairs, he gained supervisory roles in the church, which until this time were simply unprecedented for any layman. But even such unprecedented access didn't assure Cromwell his head. In 1540, at the direction of King Henry VIII, Cromwell, as many at that time seemed to lose, he lost his head on the chopping block. Whether you're a White House correspondent, or a backstage concert goer, or even a 16th century commoner in the court of a king, Unprecedented access can be very coveted and prized. In today's text, Jesus points out to us that the Easter, his Easter resurrection victory has given you and me unprecedented access too. Remember that, or I should say today's text begins, you see, exactly where last week's gospel text left off. Remember that Jesus said that After a little while, they would not see him. And then after a little while, they would see him. And they'd be sorrowful. And yet their sorrow would turn to joy. Well, evidently, Jesus there is speaking to them about his death and his burial. About his death and his burial in the tomb when when they would be sorrowful. And for a little while, they wouldn't see him because he would be sealed in a tomb. But then after a little while, they would see him. And their sorrow would turn into joy. A joy which couldn't be taken away. Well, today's text then begins with the very, it picks up with the very next sentence that Jesus speaks in that discourse. And he says, in that day, which day? The day of his resurrection and beyond. In that day of me, he says, you will ask nothing. Instead, Jesus says, you and I would now have, because of his Easter victory, unprecedented access to a father now reconciled 
to his children. For he'd say in the gospel, you heard him, truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he'll give it to you. A few verses later, he says, in that day you will ask in my name. And I do not say that I will ask the Father on your behalf. In other words, no, you'll have access, unprecedented access. You'll have access to ask him yourself, for he said the Father himself loves you. Because you love and you believe in me, he said. It's good for us to stop and consider the privilege of prayer's access to God that we have because of Christ. To God as our Father. And why we have that access, it's good to consider it. Because you see, it may be... Just like a commoner who spent near all his days in the graces and the privileged court of a king, it may be that we've long grown so used to the access and so accustomed to having at any time the ear of heaven's king that we forget our common roots and what it took to gain that ear. Well, Isaiah reminds us, He records, your iniquities have separated you from your God so that your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. So that he will not hear. Never let yourself forget your natural born common roots. Never let yourself forget the forsaken silence, the sound of that silence. The sound of a prayer unheard and unanswered that our sin deserves. But neither let yourself forget that Jesus Christ has torn the shroud of separation between God and man on the cross, dying to forgive every last sin and therefore to reconcile you and me to God the Father Remember the object lesson we saw that day? Even as a spear tore through the tender veil of Jesus' flesh and pierced the sacred and true temple of his body. So remember also the veil of the temple of wood and stone in Jerusalem. That very hour was torn from top to bottom in the inner court of God. The Holy of Holies was exposed and made accessible to those until now, to all until now, who were unworthy to enter and to behold it. The ear of God himself by Christ opened, like it was to Adam and Eve in the cool of Eden's day when they would walk with him and talk with him. He listens again to any who would call upon him in Jesus' name. In today's Gospel reading, Jesus said, remember, he said, until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Well, it's not that they hadn't asked. In fact, Jesus certainly had taught them well and thoroughly how to pray and what to pray. And so the many faithful of generations past who had gone before, all of those who trusted in the triune God, And knew that he would give to them salvation through the Christ, the Messiah that was to come. It's not that they hadn't asked. And it's not that God hadn't heard. 
and because of their faith in him, answered the prayers that they, they prayed to him. But until now, they had not asked in Jesus' name. But now, now there would be no more prayers prayed in anticipation of the one to come in his work. No, now, this very night, Jesus, on which Jesus speaks here, this night before Jesus is raised upon the cross and takes his place between heaven and earth as Jacob's true ladder, and the only mediator between God and man here on this night, Jesus explains clearly to us that we and all who ever have had access or ever would have access to God have access only through faith in Jesus' work. Therefore, only through Jesus' name. If you want the ear of the only God who hears prayers, it will be in Jesus' name and for Jesus' sake. Friends, there's frankly no other reason that God the Father would listen to our prayers. Even now, as his forgiven people, even we of ourselves don't deserve of ourselves to be heard. In fact, Martin Luther galvanized, I think, that thought for many of us in his explanation of, of the fifth petition of the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our trespasses, when he said, and perhaps you recall it, we pray in this petition that our Father in heaven would not look upon our sin nor deny our prayer because of them. We're neither worthy of the things for which we pray, nor have we deserved them. But we ask that God would grant them all, all these things we ask. We ask that God would grant them all to us by grace for the sake of Christ. For we daily, he concludes, sin much. And indeed, we deserve nothing but punishment. But, friends, but washed in Christ connected to him, marked with him, trusting in Jesus, in his name, wearing his perfection by baptism. You can be certain each time you bow your head and open your heart to him to ask him or to thank him, you can be sure as you ask or thank him in Jesus' name, you can be sure that God the Father is as well pleased and delighted to hear you as he is his own beloved son. No less. No less. Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. That we should be called the children of God. John writes. And we are. That we should be able to call upon him. Call him Father and call upon him God as our Father. Just as dear children, Luther writes, would ask their dear Father. A son who knows well his father's passion to give, Jesus encourages us in the text then today, doesn't he? He says, ask. Ask of him. Ask of him in my name and he will give it to you. He says, don't hesitate to ask of him. In fact, he implies here, I died. That you could freely ask of him. Ask of him in my name. Ask of him for the big things in life. Things that have to do with doctors, maybe, or children, or spouses, or employment, or forgiveness, 
or that he would continue to bring the means of grace through those things that he's chosen. Ask of him in my name for the small things in life. Like how your tomatoes would do this summer. Those that you've planted in the garden. Or that there might be sunshine this weekend for the family get together. Ask him, Jesus says. Now I don't expect any one of us is surprised that Jesus would here exhort us to pray and to pray with boldness. Why wouldn't we be surprised? Because we well know how disinclined we are to pray. Why are we so disinclined? Because we're so busy. Our lives are so busy that it's often hard for us to find the time. Why are we so disinclined? Because we're so tired. Maybe we carve out some time and we designate some time at the end of the day and then we get to the end of the day. Life's busy day and we're so tired. And like the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane, Peter, James, and John, when they would pray, our eyes are heavy with sleep too. Why are we so disinclined to pray? Because we might figure we're handling it, Lord. We'll let you know, though, if we need a hand. Why are we so disinclined to pray? Because we're human. Because we're human, because we're fallen humans who never need much help at all in finding reasons to avoid asking God for his help. Christ enjoins us, ask. It's good for us. It's good for us, I say, not for God. He doesn't need our prayers to know what we need or what we'd like. He doesn't need to be reminded by prayerful thoughts or or words whispered on our lips or spoken in the solitude of our rooms or spoken together at our kitchen tables. By these words, he doesn't need, he doesn't need, or or he's not reminded that that it's through Christ that he is glad to hear us and, and to provide for us. We need to be reminded constantly of that. He doesn't need to be reminded in our hours and moments of deepest grief, that because of Christ, he's certain to be our hope and our help in the day of trouble. He doesn't need to be reminded by the very act of praying, the very act of asking and thanking and praising him, that apart from him, we're nothing. We need that daily reminder. God's not here the prodigal son, is he? We are. The one who's daily drawn to confess to his father how wrong we've been. Knowing that before even the word is on our tongue, the father has already forgiven us. For the sake of his son. He's already forgiven us because he's our father. We're the ones that need to remember that. God's not the child here. That's reminded each time he must ask, reminded how much he relies on his Father. We are the children for whom prayer is good. So Jesus says, ask, don't doubt that he who spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Don't doubt that he'll certainly with him freely give you all things. Of course, as much as Jesus' name is the, is the key by which we have such access, Jesus' name also is the caveat by which we pray, isn't it? 
knowing that when we ask for whatever it is that would make our joy full, knowing that there are some things that Jesus, because he loves us, that he simply can't put his name on. There are some things that the love of a father won't allow. Fathers, you know that. Mothers, on this Mother's Day, you certainly know that as well. Fathers, mothers, you understand that well. And all do, certainly. That those son or daughter pleads with you. Love many times compels you to say no because yes simply wouldn't be as loving. Yes would bring a hurt that only the wisdom of a parent can see. And the blind longing or ambition of a child can't. So if you ask and your heavenly father is compelled in love to say no. It's not that your faith isn't strong enough. It's not that there, there aren't enough prayers quota of them to reach some benchmark that would then release the floodgates. See, that's not why the Sharks won their playoff game last night. If, if, if in his love he doesn't grant it to you, it's not that your faith isn't strong enough. It's, it's not that there aren't enough prayers to reach a benchmark that would release the floodgates. A father's love doesn't work that way, does it? A father's love doesn't work that way. All the children in the world could beg a father. All of them. But even if with one voice every single child did, love won't allow what's not loving. And then again, only a small, one small trace of a voice of a young one may begin to ask a father or mother for something that the father or mother already knows that he the little one needs. And you know how ready and willing a father's love or a mother's love is to give, even before the young one asks. Friends, what man or mother today is there among you? Jesus asks, who if his son asks for bread would give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish would give him a serpent? If you... If you then, Jesus says, know how to give good gifts, loving gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts, good gifts to those who ask him? So, in the confidence that you come in Jesus' name, ask. One more point to make today, because Jesus does. With his remarks, he concludes with one more point before, interestingly, he himself then turns to pray to his father in the high priestly prayer. But lastly, in today's remarks, Jesus says this, in this world, you will have tribulation. With the access that we've been granted, we may, in prayer, we may pray tribulations be few and far between. But be sure that they will be. And I don't mean just troubles in life that plague us because of our fallen condition. No, I mean thlipsis. That's the Greek word here that Jesus uses. Thlipsis. An intense pressing in from all sides. A 
squashing, a pressing in, an intense pressing in, tribulation. And why? Precisely, it's used throughout Scripture, it's used precisely because you believe and you confess and you pray in Jesus' name. Tribulation, because you confess Christ. Because of your faith in Him, there will be tribulation in the world. God direct our prayers. That we ask Him more than for the absence of tribulation. But that we ask Him for the fortitude and resolve to take heart. And to know that by His death and by His resurrection, He has overcome the world. For remember that each and every trial and tribulation that your Heavenly Father would allow into your life first has to pass through the cross. Each one that would approach you. Think of an airport security checkpoint. Each one that would approach you and that cross-shaped checkpoint and wish to enter into your baptized life. Each one your Father inspects and scrutinizes to ensure that it won't be more than a loving Father would permit. Each one He permits only under the condition that it won't work to the harm of those who love Him but only to your good. God grant us faith to pray, knowing that he who won our prized access to the Father is he who has overcome the world. In his name, Jesus' name, amen.